So Luke tells us that six days before the Passover, Jesus goes to Bethany. Bethany literally means house of the poor. And it's a, a familiar place for us because Jesus goes there a lot. In fact, um, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, who are counted among Jesus' closest friends, they're from Bethany. They have a home there. And it's about two miles from Jerusalem. And, and so um, oftentimes you'll be reading the stories in the Bible and, it'll, uh, and, and you'll come across a line that says, and so Jesus went through Bethany and he stayed there. Um, Mary and Martha and Lazarus are, um, you know, th th there's a, a famous dinner party story. Luke actually is um, the only one of the gospel writers that, um, that, that tells this story. Um, maybe you've heard about it before. I'm sure some of you have heard about this, this party before. Um, it's famous because of the dynamic between the sisters, between Martha and Mary. Martha has these extraordinary gifts, like uh, the gift of hospitality. She's able to imagine a dinner and uh, have the resourcefulness to, to pull it off. And so that's what's happening. They're having a, a dinner party to honor Jesus. And then the drama happens. Um, Martha is upset with her sister Mary because she's not helping with the dinner. And so Martha appeals to Jesus and is assuming that, that Jesus is uh, going to send Mary into the kitchen uh, to help with dinner. Mary, uh, what she was doing was sitting at Jesus's feet and just listening to him. And so Mary or Martha becomes a little bit frustrated with Jesus, I'm sure, because Jesus doesn't tell her to go into the kitchen and help. Jesus actually affirms uh, what Mary is doing and says something to the effect of, Martha, Martha, you're distracted. Um, Mary has chosen the better part and it will not be taken away from her. Um, what happens later in our story, in John, it's John who's telling our, our story for today, it, it, it makes me wonder um, what they talked about. Um, Luke, when he tells the story of the famous dinner, he, he doesn't like give us details of the conversation. He just tells us that Mary is listening. And so I found myself wondering, what is it that Mary heard? What is it that they, what is it that they, they talked about? And maybe not just in this instance, but in, in their friendship. You know, like when we start a conversation, We'll typically say, you know, well, how are you doing? So did they start it that way? Like Mary says, hi, Jesus. Um, how are you doing? And, you know, did, did, did Jesus say, well, you know, I'm, I'm good. Uh, you know, things, things are good. Um, we had the, the big fish feeding thing the other day. Um, thousands of people were fed. You know, the, the crowds are, are really growing. Um, a lot of people are coming to synagogue to, to hear me preach. Uh, just the other day, Dad spoke from the sky, and he said he loved me, and he said he was proud of me. Um, yeah, we're, we're good. Well, you know, the Bible oftentimes says that, that Jesus got stressed, and that there were times when he would be really disturbed and upset. 
And I just wonder, you know, if Mary, like, like a friend would often do, a good friend would maybe pick up on some of that stuff. And like if she ever just said, okay, how are you really doing? And if Jesus would just tell her, you know, like actually, to be honest, I'm really tired. And I know what's coming. And I'm, I'm kind of afraid. I really want this, this cup to pass from me. And so John tells us that six days before the Passover, which was six days before Jesus's betrayal, uh, before his arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane, six days before all of that, Jesus comes to Bethany again, and they throw another dinner for him. And Lazarus is there sitting at the table with Jesus. Martha is serving. Sounds familiar, like the famous dinner party. Except this time, Mary does a really odd thing at the dinner table. It's mysterious and it's even provocative. Some people would say scandalous because women did not let their hair down in public and yet that's what she did. It was also very controversial. And I imagine that if you and I were at the table, it would have just felt really awkward. Because what Mary did was she sat down on the floor, anointed Jesus's feet with this really expensive perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. And so you know that the house immediately filled with this fragrance, this fragrance of this powerful perfume. Well, Judas objects. And his objection draws attention to the fact that, that this perfume that Mary had, a pound of nard, was really expensive. That it was about its value was about a year's wages for a laborer. And so Judas's objection is, what are you doing? We should be selling this perfume and giving the money to the poor. Well, John, who's, who's actually uh, the person telling this story, he has a strong opinion about that. He has a, a strong opinion about Judas. In his retelling of this story, um, he makes it clear that Judas's greed is the motivation for his resistance to this to this thing that uh, that, that Mary's doing. John makes it very clear that Judas is a villain, and and that Judas is a thief. And I've been thinking about that. I've been thinking a lot about Judas lately. And I just wonder if we took a page out of Mary's playbook, you know the. I'm going to sit at Jesus's feet and listen. What if we sat at Judas's feet and, and listened to his story? You know, a lot of people de depict Judas as a revolutionary, a freedom fighter. And it seems to me that freedom fighters are almost always on the side of the oppressed. Rachel Cease said, 
I kind of feel sorry for Judas sometimes. And I, I hadn't thought about it too much, uh, but I agreed with her. I mean, isn't Judas just trying to find his way through all of this stuff? I mean, that's kind of what we're doing, isn't it? We're trying to make sense of things. We're, we're trying to have some sense of our orientation and, and where we are on the map, trying to get our bearings. Like, isn't Judas just imagining a, a better day? Like, the Romans are gone, and now Jesus is ushering in the kingdom of God um, so that all of God's people will, will have peace and so that, that, that there will be prosperity. I mean, those are the kinds of things that he's heard Jesus talking about. Um, that blessed are the poor, that, that, that we're to be giving to the poor. Uh, I mean, they were always giving to the poor. So I wonder, you know, after the Passover meal, when, when Jesus looks to Judas and says, uh, do quickly what you must do, like, I'm just wondering if that was kind of, like felt like assurance for, for Judas. Like, yeah, this is... This is the way it's going to go down. Uh, this is the way that it's going to happen. Um, well, when everything goes horribly wrong, what we see Judas do is he takes the betrayal money and he throws it back in the temple. He wants nothing to do with the money. And then I, I imagine it's deep remorse and regret and grief takes his own life. Well, back at the dinner party, Jesus' response to Judas is he says, leave her alone. Mary bought it for the day of my burial. And then he says an interesting thing. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. And scholars say that, that Jesus is, is quoting uh, from the book of Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy 15.11, it says, Since there will never cease to be poor on the earth, I therefore command you, open your hand to the poor and needy neighbor in your land. N.T. Wright um, says, This is an astonishing statement. Granted, Jesus' repeated statements about the importance of the poor and the kingdom blessings that would come on them he says the only explanation is that Jesus believed that his coming death would be the action through which the whole, the world as a whole, including the world of poverty and all that went with it, would be put to rights. We who live on the other side of his death and resurrection and yet still face a world of poverty, crippling debt, and all the evils which follow from them may find ourselves wondering whether the church has always got its priorities right. Shane Claiborne wrote a book called The Irresistible Revolution. And, and he, he tells these stories, or, or he, he talks about God has revealed himself uh, through the homeless. He says he saw um, a, a woman in a crowd as she was struggling to get a meal from this late night food van. And they approached her and, and they asked her, you know, like, you know is, it, is it worth a struggle? And, and she was like, oh, yeah. It's like, but I don't eat these myself. She takes them to another homeless woman 
who isn't able to get in the line, who isn't able to fight for a meal. And then he said he saw this street kid who was panhandling outside this store, and he got $20. But instead of running off with it for himself, like he went around the corner and, and shared it with, with all of his friends. And then he saw a, a homeless man put a pack of cigarettes in the offering plate because that was all that he had to give. He met a blind street musician who was, who was viciously abused by this group of guys. And they like sprayed Lysol in her eyes as a practical joke. And he said they were holding her that night. And, 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 and one of them said to her, there are a lot of bad folks in the world, aren't they? And this was her response. She said, oh, but there are a lot of good ones too. And the bad ones make you, the good ones, seem even sweeter. He said, we met a little girl who was homeless and asked her what she wanted to do when she grew up. She said, I want to own a grocery store. Because if I own a grocery store, I can, get out, I can give out food to all the hungry people. He said, Mother Teresa used to say, in the poor, we meet Jesus in his most distressing disguises. He said, that's, uh, he said now I, I know what she meant. Uh, there's a Duke ethicist and theologian named Stanley Harawas. He says, the poor we always have with us is Jesus. It is to the poor that all extravagance is to be given. So it was like Mary knew. It was as if she understood something that, that no one else could comprehend. And so I wonder... If Jesus could smell the perfume on that Thursday night when all of his closest friends uh, deserted him and left him alone. I wonder if Jesus could smell the perfume uh, when he was in the jail or when the soldiers mocked him. I, I wonder if on the cross, with those deep breaths that he had to take, uh, when he cried aloud, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I wonder if he could smell it then. I wonder if it gave him hope for his church. I, I read about Ann Smith. Ann Smith founded the, the Charlotte Food Rescue. And one day as she was hauling a, a station wagon full of donuts to, to one of the, uh, the food shelters and she stopped along the way, though, to, to make a pitch um, for, for the ministry uh, to the executives of, of what is now Bank of America. And so as she rode the elevator to the top floor, uh, someone said, you smell like donuts. And she laughed and she told them why. And before the elevator doors opened, uh, she had another recruit. The fragrance of love's actions is carried on the wind to places we never see. That's my prayer for us. Amen.